put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. When your host, E. Simon. I'm Harrison. No, no. <laughs> Um, Harrison's still on vacation over in the UK and, uh, me trying to find a co-host. I'm like asking random people at work and I actually found a guy that would do it. Um, Danny, thanks for being on the show this week. He didn't find me at work. He paid me five <laughs> bucks. He found me in the alley behind his house. I had to give him a beer and a hand job and I was like, come on, just, just co-host the show with me. Now, you know what the, the funny part about it is I was trying to get Wackerly to do two in a row and that was like pulling fucking teeth. That fucking guy. Wackerly was just like, no way, I'll do one, and that's it. <laughs> God, no respect. So anyway, Danny is a fan of the show. You've, you've been Love listening for a while, so uh, yep. yeah, thanks for filling in. No problem. Uh, th- you're a good co-host anyway, because uh, you're familiar with the format. Um, you were born in England. No. You, you weren't born in England? <laughs> I'm a military brat. Oh, shit, where were you actually born? West Germany. I'm a kraut. Oh, shit, I did not even know that. Oh, your all your English Nazis. fans, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna call in and they go, "What the fuck was a kraut doing on the show?" I right, well, you grew up in England though. Yeah. So wait, where, which part of England did you grow up in? Southeast, Reading. Reading. Okay. Um, did you hear that? Do you uh, do you listen to the show with a guy that called in who shit himself at the Reading Festival? Oh boy. So <laughs> have you I done al- that? I almost shit myself at the Reading Festival. <laughs> I actually managed to get back to my house and was running up the stairs with my pants around my ankles, clenching my butt cheeks as shit was about to come out. I fucking destroyed my toilet. Wow. Who was actually on stage during that? Was like Nick Cave up there? <sighs> this was like 90 something. It was whatever. Soundgarden were there. Green Day. Uh, Green Day would make me shit myself. <laughs> They would. Um, yeah, but so, so you grew up in England, so you can translate. You have IBS, obviously. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're narcoleptic. I so, am um, And uh, you also have a bit of the Harrison Cottonmouth action going on here, right? Yeah. So I think people will, feel, yeah, people will actually feel a little more like at home. Like they'll feel comfortable. Exactly. You know, they're not going to feel jarred and uh, taken aback and having this other like foreign voice on the air. <laughs> yeah, because everybody loves the uh, Harrison Cottonmouth. Are you really a narcoleptic? I really am. When's the last time you just like, like, wait, hold on a second. So at any point in recording this show, you could just pass out? No. What am I supposed to do? Just throw like beer on you or something? No, I, I, I actually take drugs that keep me awake. If I don't take drugs, meth. Then I, it's pretty much meth. It's speed. Wow, they they give you amphetamines. Speed. 
Do you have to mainline it, or do you just take a pill? Just take a couple of pills yeah, a day. A couple of pills. Yeah. <laughs> Suppository. Um, so wait. So so what happens? Like, if you do, if you weren't taking it, would you just fall asleep? Yeah. Just randomly. Sh- yeah. Like, it's pretty hot in here right now, right? No air condition on because you're recording the show. I would yeah, probably no. fall asleep to this very easily, and uh, I wouldn't know I'd be asleep. That's the thing with narcolepsy. Yeah, but I mean, do you just like does your head drop and you're just sitting there and like? Yeah. Do you snore? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's ever told me that, but uh, people draw me and shit. <laughs> so you wouldn't even know. Yeah, and, and I'd wake up and I wouldn't even know that I was unconscious until I look at my arms and I, oh, you know, whatever, and I find out people are drawn all over me. So I had to get tattooed so they could stop drawing all over me. Wait, so have you ever actually passed out getting tattooed? No, I passed out in a dentist chair, but not tattooed. Have you ever passed out giving a like giving oral sex to a woman <laughs> you know i have <laughs> <laughs> wait so wait you're sitting there you're like were you drunk like does this happen does it does it occur more frequently like when you're when you're drunk yeah the more alcohol i drink the more likely it's to happen if i drink a lot there's a chance you'll see me passed out standing up i'll be physically stood up like a com- horse yeah completely unconscious so okay so you're going down on a bird yep. and you're drunk Yep. And next thing you know, you're just sleeping, like with your head just mashed up against your vaginal lips. I don't know that I was sleeping there. <laughs> That's the problem. The The last time this happened with a girl, uh, it was this beautiful Jamaican girl in England, um, night out in uh, Reading. Purple Turtle, for those that know. <laughs> Purple uh, Turtle. Is that yeah, the name of the bar? That's the name of the bar. Uh, that sounds like a gross sex move. <laughs> that you can it only do with a Jamaican girl. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, beautiful Jamaican girls, the biggest fun bags I've ever encountered in my life. And I'm not much of a breast man. I'm, I'm after the butts, but these, these things were huge. Anyway, um, yeah, I was going down on her, and as far as I knew, nothing else had happened. But... So what was she like? Hey, man, you're sleeping on the job, man. Like, did she like smack you? And like, how did you know you were like, did you wake up? Continue well, where I you left off? Didn't know. I just kind of was like, it's it's almost like there's a, like a fl- it's like the, a, gl- a glitch in the matrix. It's like a little flash. You don't really know what's going on. So start eating her out, and then she kind of like squirmed a little bit, and I was like, "What's up?" And she goes, "Oh, you're awake, are you?" <laughs> I was like, "I think she'd fallen asleep as well because I'd fallen asleep." So I woke her up. Wow. Yeah, you know, I'm not narcoleptic, but I have passed out while you know penetrating a girl, like having intercourse. I've passed out just on top of her. You ever had that happen? Uh, I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, once it's in there, I'm pretty sure I'm like, well, I, I've passed out after I've finished. Definitely. Now, I, I've like passed out while fucking a girl. And uh, that's always kind of awkward. Yeah. It's that's, awkward. That's like saying, you suck. I don't like you. Yeah. I'm just doing this because it's easier than having that. You know, it's, it's, it. I'm too drunk to be doing this and I should just, yeah. Because if the girl passes out while I'm doing it, then I'm Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, that's, that's never good. Uh, but I, no, I've, I've also done, I've also had like sleep sex where I've been completely, I've been sleeping the entire time and had full intercourse to completion, but never being awake. I've done that. You've done that too? That's, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, 
so that happens in narcolepsy you can sleepwalk and all things with narcoleptics it's like sometimes your body's awake and your brain isn't or your brain's awake and your body isn't sleep paralysis is usually when your brain's awake and your eyes are awake and you know but your body isn't your body's still fast asleep so then you start freaking out but i've definitely done i've had this i've never had to full completion i've started the sex and at some point just woke up and woke like, up oh. in the middle of it and and your sister's like, get off me. <laughs> I hope not. She's only The 13. dog is trying to run away. <laughs> I always wondered what happened to that dog. Yeah. Um, God, that's crazy. So wait, have you ever actually like sleepwalked or, you know, like, um, you done that too? Uh, I've woken up in uh, bathtubs. Uh, I got lost in Germany when I was 50 yards from my hotel room and uh, my hotel, sorry, not the hotel room. And I basically just slept, walked like two towns, woke up at whatever in the morning, just walking away, not knowing where the fuck I was. Do you ever have IBS while you're sleepwalking? <laughs> Luckily, no. <laughs> It'd be like the worst, the worst thing ever. It's like you get uh, everything happening all like simultaneously. Oh, you suddenly come aware and then you're like, what's that squishiness? Ah, <laughs> oh, I shit myself. Yeah, I remember uh, my roommate in college, who I know I've spoken about on, here on the show. Um, he used to sleepwalk, but he would piss on things. I've done that. You've done that where it's like, and I remember he would, he, he did, he was like unapologetic. Like if he did it, he's like, you know, you live with me, you know, that's one of the dangers. It's an occupational hazard of being in this house. Yep. You know, that's a, this is what can happen. It's one of the risks you have by being my roommate. And I was like, all right, well, if you come into my room and you're about <laughs> to pee on any of my things, I'm punching you in the face. I don't even care if you're sleeping. Yeah. So isn't that what they, they say? You're not supposed to wake a sleeping, uh, a sleepwalker? Well, they say it's dangerous, but the reason it's dangerous is it's dangerous for you because the sleepwalker themselves, they don't necessarily know where they are. Like I've, I've, uh, years ago when I was like, I don't know, 17 or something like that. And I was living with my mother, um, and my girlfriend was staying over. They woke up to the sound of me pissing off the top of the stairs, down the stairs. And they both came running out <laughs> and they're all shouting at me and everything. And they tried to wake me and I just didn't wake up. Have you had this since you were a child? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get diagnosed until in my late 30s, but as a child, I thought I suffered from reoccurring nightmares. But now that I know I'm narcoleptic, it turns out what I thought were reoccurring nightmares was constant sleep paralysis. I used to get a lot as a child. Wow, that's got to be that's got to be a trip. You you hallucinate as well, like because your brain's like your brain can be halfway between awake and sleep. So you'll hear things, you'll smell things, you'll see things, you'll get visions. It's it's fucked up. I was terrified. Wow, God, that that is kind of crazy. So when you date a new girl, like if you meet a new girl, how soon or how far into the relationship do you go before you tell her that uh, you're narcoleptic, or do you let her find out on her own? Probably within the first couple of dates, because sometimes because of the narcolepsy like if i don't really like taking the meds all the time because i am essentially taking speed so weekends and stuff i don't want to take the meds so i'll explain because like sometimes i just have no energy you know if i don't take the meds i will literally just be like just want to lie down and sleep all day you know hmm. it almost seems like it could be helpful though especially like when you're dating a girl and when she's like starts talking about her friends or <laughs> facebook drama or something you're just like <sighs> Sorry, babe, I'm narcoleptic. Yeah, just be like, oh, sorry, it's narcolepsy. What were we talking about? Oh, we're going to go get some food. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> just a segue. You could just change the subject really quickly. That's like, it's a good idea. Actually, you could probably do the IBS thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I got to run. 
Like once it gets boring. That's the most know? awkward one to and she starts a girl talking to. about her family. It's like, <laughs> oh no, I got an attack, gotta go. <laughs> yeah, girls must love that. <laughs> it's always it's always worse when you're at, uh, at their place, you know. Oh yeah, that's being at your own home. You're familiar with your toilet, you know, just everything about it, and you know you know what the acoustics are like and everything like that. When you're somewhere new, it's like, oh, I don't know how this is gonna go. Oh yeah, no, that's the worst too. Do you try to camouflage it with flushes and like spray like po- your sister? Like Do you bring poopery <laughs> along? I don't, but I you probably should. should. Um, <laughs> What's your birthday? I'm getting you some poop. <laughs> I'm going to get you some poopery for co-hosting the show today. Excellent. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good week that, uh, to fill in. Lots of things going on in the news. Wow, lots of things going on in the news. Yeah. Um, it's like helter-skelter out there. It's like a full-on race war. It's, it's fucked. We're yeah, fucked. no, it is totally fucked. And I, I'm, interested to, I'm interested to see what's, 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 what the outcome of all this is. Especially now, uh, have you seen all the protests? They're happening across across the country. Oh fuck yeah! They showed the uh, the video in Oakland before they're shutting down the freeway. Like there were like uh, three thousand people yeah. marching in Oakland. Yeah, uh, you know I think there's one going on in LA tonight. Well, right, let's, so, hope, let's hope it's not near the bar we're going to later. <laughs> yeah, I know that actually uh, could block off the road. That would suck. It'd be an expensive Uber. But yeah, no, I mean, this is kind of. Uh, I was thinking about this. It's kind of like what Manson was predicting with the whole helter skelter thing. I haven't heard of that. You know, you know, so Manson felt that, uh, what's funny, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, racial, the racial divide is not a funny topic. And the death of police officers and the death of, uh, you know, of citizens, black citizens, that, that, that's definitely not something that's funny. But Charlie Manson misinterpreting Beatles lyrics, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think Manson, uh, th- that's the thing. I-, I don't think Paul or John wrote any of this music to be decoded in the way that Manson did. So I'll have to let you in on a little secret right now. I'm probably one of the few British people that you meet that fucking hates the Beatles. But you hate every Beatles song? You gotta appreciate what they did for music, regardless of whether you like their music or not. Being the first boy band, that I should appreciate them because that's I pretty mean, much they what were, they are. Yeah, but it, okay, they were they were a boy band, but at the same time, they're very innovative and they like you know made, they they changed music at the time. Like, look at the Stones. The Stones just kind of emulated existing music, whereas the Beatles, you know, what the fuck else sounded like Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, well, they're groundbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Beatles started off as a boy cover band. But the the reason I don't like the Beatles that much is it was just it's so overplayed. Like if I hear "Hey Jude," oh god, and if I hear "Hey Jude," I want to like seriously shove like a barrel of a shotgun in my mouth. It's like one of the worst songs I've ever heard. And girls are all like, "It's my song." Ah. yeah. But I mean, it's at the same time, it's kind of like I can under I can appreciate the Beatles for what they did in the history of music. Do I listen to them? No. I mean, I don't, I don't think I ever would. Um, but I, 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 do find, I do find, like, you know, the Lennon and McCartney duo, kind of a genius, you know, rock-writing duo. Right. I, I, I met George Harrison and Ringo Starr once when I used to work in a pub in... Fuck, I can't even remember the name of the place. It wasn't far from where George Harrison lived. Um... And there was this guy that used to come into the bar all the time and talk about how he was the personal chauffeur for George Harrison. And we just thought he was just a fucking drunk bullshit. And then one day he brings him in and here he is. He brought, he brought Harrison and Ringo? Yeah. It's, 
fair play to him. And then another time he brought in like fucking. Is yeah, Ringo think, your favorite Beatle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's everybody's favorite Beatle, right? I always loved Ringo. He's the um, so yeah, so anyway, Manson, you know, most people listen to the song Helter Skelter, you're like, oh, it's about that fun slide, and like, it's a crazy song, and doing drugs, and blah, blah, blah. Manson listens to the song, and he thinks it's about an impending apocalyptic race war between black people and white people. Wow. Essentially, the black people, the black men are so upset that they can't have sex with white women. This is in Manson's mind. Like, he listened to the song Helter Skelter, and this is what he gathered from that song. Has he met white women? Because... I I know lots of white women that only for black men. So oh yeah, no, like, yeah. yeah but I, you know, I don't think Manson's the most rational individual out there. That's true. I mean, if this is what he was, you know, interpreting Beatles songs. God, what does he think about like Neil Diamond songs? Or like, <laughs> I, who knows what he's getting from that? Um, so he said, uh, yeah, the the song after he decoded it, he um, he was able to to predict that there would be an apocalyptic race war that would uh, occur between blacks and whites. Um, and he also found references to the imagined apocalypse and a number of other songs that appeared on the White Album as well. Ooh. So it was the White Album and uh, some other songs on the White Album and the song Helter Skelter in particular. Um, he says, like Helter Skelter is a nightclub. Helter Skelter means confusion, literally. It doesn't mean a, any war with anyone. It doesn't mean that those people are going to kill other people. It only means what it means. Helter Skelter is confusion. It says rise. It says kill. Why blame it on me? I didn't write the music. <laughs> wow. Um, Charlie Manson. That's so a does, quote. So does that mean the White Album is the most racist white supremacist album of all time? Is that why it's white? You know, that's, I never thought about it that way. It is. I mean, it's basically just a KKK. Right? Why doesn't the KKK just play the White Album all the time? And black guys play Metallica's Black Album? Is that the way it works? But a lot of people didn't know that uh, John Lennon was a, was a rabid uh, racial separatist. Did you know that? Was he? <laughs> <laughs> I believed it. <laughs> I wonder what they were just like after like Manson comes out and says this about Helter Skelter. Do you think Paul was just like, you're missing the point, Charlie. You're missing the point. <laughs> but anyway, he, he predicted this race war. And so I wonder what he's thinking now. Like when you're seeing like, you know, black guys shot for nothing, for doing nothing, doing absolutely nothing, white cops, I mean, actually Asian cops too, but uh, just murdering them for doing nothing. And then just recently in Dallas, you get a, a, a five cops killed at a rally. Yeah. I, so, think, I mean, it's racial turmoil going on right now. I think Manson's probably lying in jail right now going, what the fuck? I've been here most of my life for orchestrating some murders. And right now there's a bunch of cops murdering people indiscriminately and they don't even serve any jail time. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's really upset about that. Yeah, I would be. I'd be like, what the fuck? I well, didn't kill anybody and I'm in jail. I'm, I'm sure Obama's just like, God damn it, can't you just wait five months? Just five more months and let's just like do whatever you want. Wait till Trump's in charge. Oh, God. Yeah, actually, when Trump's in charge, it's going to be like full on Gestapo. Yeah, so, no. Yeah, it's, but I mean, it, it is, there is a racial divide in this country. And it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. But what... What blows my mind about what happened in Dallas recently is that, you know, so this five police officers were shot by a sniper. And at first they thought there were multiple people yep. that took out the sniper. But turns out there's one guy, Micah Johnson. And in an unprecedented move, the Dallas PD used a robot with a bomb strapped to its arm to blow up this guy. 
Rather than try to, you know, negotiate, well, they did negotiate with him for a couple hours, but rather than try to use a non-lethal method to, um, to uh, incapacitate him, they sent in this robot strapped with a brick of C4, and it just blew the guy up. It's fucked up. Well, you know, I mean, it's, at the same time, this guy was shooting at police officers. He killed five police officers. It's, and they tried to negotiate with him, and he was singing. He was singing, like, lyrics. Oh, really? They, oh, yeah. But no, the guy's mental. Oh. Uh-huh. So it, it, it gets to a point. You're at an impasse here. What do you do? But I'm just... It, it kind of blows my mind that what they decided to do, their solution was to, let's just strap a chunk of C4 to this robot and send him in there. Blew his mind more. Do <laughs> you think he was singing Helter Skelter? I, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt it because this guy does sound, uh, he does sound a bit mental. So the robot was used after an hours-long standoff to kill Michael, Micah Johnson, who, um, who police found out did actually uh, did shot those five police officers. Uh, they actually were exchanging gunfire with Johnson on the second floor of a parking garage, but he had secured himself behind like a stairwell, like in a corner, so they weren't, they weren't able to get a good shot. And if they sent any police officers in, obviously they'd be in harm's way. Such things as stun grenades and flashback. They have a lot of shit at their disposal. Well, that's the thing. It's like, uh, they, you know, these, they use robots like in Afghanistan. Um, they've used these robots that have like uh, tasers attached to them and stun grenades. Yeah. You know, or even uh, a tear gas. Yep. You know, they could have shot canisters of tear gas to incapacitate the guy. But this guy, Dallas Police Chief David Brown, who's a black man. Yep. He made the decision to use lethal force with a robot. And which has never been done in the on American soil. Yeah, it's 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 scary. Yeah, it's the first time police have ever used a robot to deliver lethal force. And that's the thing, like killer robots have been used in, you know, foreign battlefields for a while now. I mean, look at the uh the armed aerial drones. Drones, yeah. You know, we've been using drones. Um they also have uh I mean they have robots with uh strapped with like machine guns that they use in like Afghanistan. The the company that makes Roombas, you know, the the pet fucking vacuum, they make military robots as well. Well, a lot of them, they, they use the machine guns to shoot out the claymores. All uh, right. The, yeah, the, that makes sense. The IEDs. But um, yeah, Dallas Police Chief David Brown said, we saw no other option but to use our bomb robot and place a device on its extension for it to detonate. Other options would have exposed our officers to grave danger. And what? I mean, we're not in the heat of the moment. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the guy's shooting. He's exchanging gunfire with other police officers. Yep. He's murdered five police officers. I'm sure they weren't like, you know, we really need to take this guy alive and, and you know, and, and figure this out. But at the same time, isn't that what police, police aren't supposed to shoot to kill? Yeah. Aren't they supposed to negotiate and try to use Protect non-lethal mes- methods? I, I believe so. It's It's... It's one of those things. It's like, I mean, we're just sitting here talking about it, so we don't really know what happened. But at the same time, it's like he murdered five of their buddies. you you got to think that they're, them wanting to keep him alive wasn't the top of their priorities. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. Um, so virtually every major police department in America uh, have explosive ordnance disposal robots, and that's what was used in uh, Dallas. Um, it's an EOD bot, apparently a Northrop, Gun or Northrop Grumman made Andros F6 model. So it had four wheels, an extendable claw arm, and a second rigid arm, which held the bot's main cameras. So they 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 strapped the C4 to the extendable extendable claw arm. Well, 
the part about it that worries me is what's the police force doing having C4? Isn't well, it? don't they have C4 anyway? I mean, don't they... Do they? I don't know. I, I thought that's a military-grade thing for blowing I, shit I think up. Th- I think they have to have explosives, you know, in the event that they have to, like, blow a hole in a doorway or something. Well, I thought they... Well, all the movies I've seen, they do it with those fucking shotguns. <laughs> you I don't know. know. It, you, know you know, there might be a black guy jaywalking, and they gotta, <laughs> they gotta blow him up, you know? He's got a gun! <laughs> Get the C4! Um, but, but that's the thing. It's like they... You know, they have these these dis, you know explosive uh, disposal robots, but no one's ever used them um, to actually you know murder someone or kill somebody, and uh, and that's the thing. Like Israeli bomb disposal bots, which can carry shotguns on their extendable claw arms for blasting apart suspicious objects, have never actually gunned down any suspected criminals or terrorists. You know, I'm surprised the Israelis haven't used something like this. You think they'd have already made RoboCop to stomp on a bunch of Palestinian children? I was going to say, they probably already have Terminators in the field. We just don't know about it. <laughs> Apparently, ISIS actually has their version of a, uh, of a killer robot. They fitted a toy truck with a bomb and tried to steer it towards Kurdish troops, but the Kurds just shot it and detonated it. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? A little Bobby truck's coming towards them. <laughs> Ken and Bobby sitting there going, yeah. And the ISIS masterminds over there. But the, the thing is, the military have struggled with the, the ethical implications of using drones, you know, is, uh, using, just using uh, killer machines. I mean, is remote killing legal? I mean, it's the same as, I mean, there's still somebody pulling the trigger, right? It's like, it's, it's the same as shooting a gun. But what happens someone. when the drone targets the wrong person? They have unmanned aerial drones. They do? They're blowing people up? Yeah, they they have unmanned or they, yeah they have ones that just kind of automatically fly and they they I know they have ones most of them are remote controlled but I think the unmanned ones maybe are the just unmanned, taking pictures yeah maybe the unmanned ones just uh, take pictures but I know I know that but at the same time it's like you know accidents do happen where they accidentally mistakenly target a hospital yeah and so now police might guy. you know now police might actually have to struggle with these questions and that's the thing it's like they I mean the question is what would happen if it was not possible to send a robot. Would they have still sent in a human? They would, have, they would have peppered that area with flashbangs, tear gas, whatever they needed to. I but think. I mean, if the technology exists, then why send a, a cop into harm's way? You know, why, why, why potentially you know, harm a police officer? Why have cops on the street? Let's just have these robots going around sticking C4 to black guys. Well, it, it makes me wonder. I mean, if the cops can use this technology, you know, then why can't criminals? Reminds me of that movie. You ever see that movie Runaway with Tom Selleck? Of course. And Gene Simmons was the bad guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gene Simmons was the bad guy in that. I'm just wondering if, like, criminals are going to start using killer robots now. Like, if this is going to set some kind of, you know, major precedent where it's like, oh, all right, well, two can play that game. And now we're going to have, like, evil criminal masterminds that are going to make killer bots. I wouldn't be surprised that like years ago I worked for Lego and I worked on their Mindstorms project, which was programmable Lego bricks. So it's robots and they have MIT involved. And um, I think they st- they're still doing it to this day. And people were making vacuum cleaners. They were making card shufflers. They were making shot bots. So you could, you know, uh, get a cold shot of vodka or tequila with, the, with these Lego robots. There's these smart guys out there that can build anything. And this is with a little Lego brick. Well, look at the guys that show BattleBots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're making, like, they're outfitting robots with, like, power saws and things like that. Chainsaws and shit. Yeah, so... Freaking awesome. 
So anyway, on that on that note, um, I lined up an interview with the, a visual effects artist named Fawn Davis, who's also a judge on the ABC show BattleBots. Uh, apparently, BattleBots is in its like seventh season now. Did you know that? I believe that. I, I first watched a robot battle show in the UK, probably in the... Maybe some of your listeners will remember. I think it was in the 90s with uh, Craig uh, Charles that's in Red Dwarf. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. He used, good, he used to show. host it. I, I, it might have been called BattleBots. I don't know. Now, I think the, that one was called Robot Wars. Robot Wars. That's yeah, it. Robot yeah, yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, BattleBots was on up until, like I think, 2002 on Comedy Central. And then it was just they canceled it. And they brought it back last year. Oh, And gotcha. so Fawn's a judge on it now. So we're going to talk to Fawn about... Uh, robots and the ethical implications of weaponizing robots. Um, that'll be coming up next. And after that, we have some phone calls to get to. Um, before all of that, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. When you select your one free item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free exclusive gift. And to top it all off, They'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And what's that free exclusive gift? It's the Clit Bumper, the ideal pleasure ring for couples. He'll love the way this love ring lets him stay harder, longer. It increases the strength of orgasm, and she'll love the way the pleasure nubs thrill her sweet spots. The unique bumper stimulates her clitoris, and it's soft and stretchy for a comfortable fit. The Clit Bumper's made of premium silicone, it's waterproof, and it's compatible with all water-based lubes. Use code DIDDLE at checkout. That's D-I-D-D-L-E at adamandeve.com. Hey, Fawn. Hey, D. How are you doing? Good. How's it going? You're on with uh, D and uh, Danny here from Sick and Wrong. Uh, th- thanks for doing the show. I know it's, uh, it's, it's over the weekend, but uh, we appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so we're talking about robots today and, um, and, and I was like, who, who's a better robotics expert that, you know, I was trying to look for a robotics expert that I know. And I was like, ah, Fawn, who, uh, is, uh, currently judging the show BattleBots. Yes. All the judging and judginess. <laughs> judging. Yes. Now you have a, you have an extensive robot background here. So BattleBots is, uh, is in its seventh season right now. Mm-hmm. Which is which is kind of crazy. And so so it was on back in uh, was that like was it canceled in like two thousand two? It used to be on Comedy Central, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a Comedy Central show, and it ran uh, many seasons. And um, uh, yeah, it was twice two seasons a year. It was kind of a crazy schedule. Yeah, I remember it being quite popular. Do you know why they canceled it? Um, you know, I think that uh, in, in you know uh, part of the robotics sport. Uh, rules kind of had to be rewritten for the new series uh, to kind of avoid the scenario we ran into at the original BattleBots. But the original BattleBots, basically what the builders had discovered is to win the event, you don't necessarily have to build a very creative robot with the rules as they stood. But you just have to build like a robot that can just, you know, just has attack power? Well, it's just the sport became inundated with blocks and wedges, just basically Mm. shovers. Ones oh. with really good pushing power. And, um, you know, when those first came around, they were very, very impressive. But if you try to fill an entire sport with just shovers, it becomes sumo wrestling and it becomes yeah. less, <laughs> less like robotic combat. Yeah, 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 so, yeah I can see that. So the, the new rules for the ABC BattleBots is, is much, much better and 
geared way more towards creating really exciting, destructive, devastating matches that I, I hope will uh, keep the show on for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, they so ABC decided to revive it uh, last year, right? That is correct. Yeah, we're on our second season this year. And so, so how do you explain the show's popularity? I mean, it's it's been going. I mean, it's it was really popular in 2002, and now that it's back, is it because you know this this shift in uh, I guess the robot rules? Well, I think I think that the uh, the the new rules will help keep the show on the air. Um, the all, all the while, BattleBots and any of the robot combat sports, I think there's just a great appeal to robotic combat because it's it's boxing without people getting hurt. It's science. It's education. It's engineering. And it's destruction, you know? <laughs> it's, it's all the primal things that we love combined with all the really beneficial things to our society, like science and engineering. Yeah, you know, it's like and, it's, and like it's the fun. Best of all worlds, you know. Yeah. So before you were a judge, you were a competitor. Absolutely. So what was the uh, what was the name of your robot? I had Mouser Mecha Catbot. It was a, a cyborg cat. <laughs> <laughs> what was Both it? What was its attack? Um, it had a, uh, a pneumatic spiked steel sharpened steel uh, tail that would come down from the rear. So. Um, the the I was able to be offensive from the rear of the robot, and then it had a saw uh, in the forehead. It also had flipping forks uh, in the front to try to scoop robots up and flip them sideways, which was a unique design, which uh, robot competitors are not even exploring at this time. So uh, how far did you get? Um, I won about 50% of my matches, which oh, at wow. the time was pretty good. Um, and I did win one of the giant nuts back in, uh, I have it on my desk here, back in 2000. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is uh, it's a while ago. So how does it work, I guess, as a contestant? Like how does, so you, you have a team, right? So you have your team that made the, uh, the Mecha Cat? Yes. And so um, what are the, are there weight classes? Like how, how does that yeah. work? Yeah, well, the original BattleBots had four weight classes. So they had lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, and super heavyweight. Um, the new BattleBots just has one weight class, and it's 250 pounds. So it's it's up in the heavyweight, super heavyweight category. So wait, your robot can't be over 250 pounds. That's the limit? Correct. Okay, all right. So I mean, yeah. so what, you, are, is there a robot that tends to be more successful, like a specific type? Because I know you were saying the shoving robots, but now it's like, do people tend to create a robot with a certain weapon? Uh, offensive weaponry is required now. So, um, and, and they take, you know, because the, the scoring is based on destruction and aggression, and it's aggression with the means to destruction. So in other words, aggression in the form of shoving is not really uh, counted as true aggression. So um, the way the rules are written now really, really makes it mandatory for people to put an offensive weapon on their robot. Now, the interesting thing about the weaponry is, you know, there are really effective weapons against certain robots, but um, it's not as predictable as saying that one weapon is superior to the other. If someone builds a really good weapons platform, it's going to be effective no matter who they go up against. So and sometimes that's a hammer. Sometimes it's a vertical spinner. Sometimes it's a um, horizontal spinner. Um, 
you know, there's uh, a flippers, you know, Bronco uh, goes in there and he is capable of flipping a 250 pound robot, 12 feet in the air. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow that's crazy. You know, so, and that's, and that's what I mean by perfecting the weapon. It's like, you really have to just master whatever weapon it is that you choose and it'll be effective. But most of these robots have multiple weapons though. Um, yeah, well, most of them have at least the ability to self-right themselves because if you get flipped upside down, which is very common in the sport, you don't want to be stuck there because then you're just done. Um, it's a very anticlimactic way to go out. Most competitors actually would rather go out in pieces than to be just like <laughs> with a simple over. mechanical failure or something embarrassing like getting flipped over. <laughs> How often does it happen that the robots just don't work? Like, you know, it's, it's like you sit there, you build this thing, you're finally, you know, geared up for this battle, and the thing just doesn't operate. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually. That's always, um, there's always a chance that that could happen. Mechanical failure used to be the dominant way that matches were won. But now people have been building these robots for so long that that happens less and less, but it still does happen. Usually you don't hear about it um, on the TV show because they don't even let those robots out into the arena if they're having mm -hmm. those kinds of weapons uh, or uh, uh, function problems. Functionality issues. Yeah. yeah. Or they just don't end up on the show. That you know They do shoot some matches that, that they do recaps for and they don't show the entire match. And often those are the ones with uh, robots that just have mechanical failure. So the arena itself, isn't that equipped with weapons? Yes. Yeah, but those the weapons in the arena are not turned on until the um, semifinals. And what is that? Is that like saws in the wall, like saw blades in the wall? or? Yeah, they have saws. They have spikes. Well, there are saws that come up out of the floor. They have spikes that come up out of the floor. They have little plungers that just create an obstacle for robots that uh, scoop or wedge. Um, and then they have the hammers in the corners of the arena that used to be operated by a uh, weapons operator. But now all the weapons are actually just random because they don't want um, the person operating the weapons to have any effect on who wins the match in terms of choosing a favorite. Yeah, that's the thing because you can turn them on at specific times. Exactly. Well, they used to have someone who actually manually uh, uh, operated them, but there was always the question as to whether or not the person operating them. I, I know for a fact that he wasn't biased, but you know the audience, of course, you know, want to make sure that there's a perception that there's no bias in the in the fighting. It has to be a pure sport, or it's not going to be considered a legitimate sport. Yeah. So, how do you get on the show? Do you actually have to audition? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's rules on the websites, um, and basically what you have to do is apply. Uh, you have to submit your design to make sure it fits the, the theme of the show because they really – originally, anyone who wanted to compete and anyone who could qualify could come fight. And we, we actually had like five 600 robots show up to BattleBots when we were wow. on Comedy Central. The first season, there was probably – there was under 40 of us. Of the original, you know, because we were the guys that used to go to Fort Mason and fight in uh, in Robot Wars, and then um, that later uh, we started competing in BattleBots as um, the group that ran Robot Wars started to disintegrate a bit. Uh, the founder and the funders started to have conflicts. That was a UK show, right? Well, it actually was originally uh, Robot Wars was the first um, robotic combat sport in that genre i guess for lack of a better word hmm. um 
and it was live in San Francisco in a warehouse. There was no television, and it was just a bunch of us nerdy goofballs making robots and putting on a, a good show, destroying each other. And that was the time when, fifth, like, I would say half the matches were won by um, robots failing rather than robots destroying each other. It's <laughs> like Robot trying... Fight Club here. Yeah, well, we were all <laughs> trying to figure out exactly how we were going to um, do all this stuff because it, it, you know, you can design the best robot in the world and then you get out there and then a piece of tape can come loose in your robot and end the match. I mean, it's 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 50% design and uh, control, but it's also 50% dumb luck. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> it you really you never know. I mean, you'd, you'd have no idea. So how competitive is it? Is there a competitive rivalry or do people actually you know, really get intense well, with it? it? I mean, it was, that was an interesting thing that has also changed. Um, the... When we originally started fighting the robots, it was there was a lot of camaraderie, you know. And and with the Robo Games, there's a lot of camaraderie in the pits in BattleBots right now. There's a lot of camaraderie. If you have a competitor fighting against you, um, and you're and you say your battery blows up or or your speed control fries, and you don't have a spare, they will loan you one. <laughs> That's pretty. Because they would yeah. much rather beat you in the arena then try it's not so competitive that they would try to just eliminate you from the fight they the, the robot competitors all really really genuinely want to get in that arena and fight mm -hmm. their robots they've worked very very hard for that moment so any mm -hmm. victory outside of the arena is not a not going to feel like a true victory so how so, many seasons have you judged uh battle bots um i've judged just uh the two seasons on abc okay just the the, the past two yeah yeah every every other time i was in as a competitor um uh, they did they did feel strongly about getting uh at least one of the judges that competed on the original show um i was supposed to build a robot for this uh first season of the abc show and then my sponsorship fell through and i couldn't do it and uh greg and trey the guys that run the show were like well you can't compete, but would you be willing to judge? And uh, of course, the answer was yes, without second thought. Yeah, no, that's pretty. It, that's, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it's, we've all been doing this since the the like mid to late nineties. So it's 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 pretty much like family. There's a good portion of us that have been doing this forever. Um, and uh, oh, and you know, back back to the issue of competitive competitiveness. It was very interesting. The uh, first season of battle bots on television there are about 40 of us the second season that's when 500 robots showed up from all over the country and they had never competed before and that first season without the people who had been around for a long time some of them like a good chunk of them were very competitive and we were used to like sharing how we built our robots and stuff because we knew a lot of it was dumb luck and and you you know what you use inside your robot isn't going to win you a match. Yeah, it's not guaranteed to work either. But and you, know. you want to go up against robots that are an even match, so the fight really is where you win, not not in the design of the robot necessarily, um, or the parts you use in it anyway. And, and I remember walking up to one of the teams and looking in the chassis of their robot, and they threw a towel over it, and they were like. Ooh. And I was like, whoa, okay. Sorry. Wow, yeah. And then, you know, that same person ended up becoming a really good friend, uh, you know, by the next season because they realized, oh, we're taking this way too serious. <laughs> <laughs> what do you win? Like, what's the final prize? It's it's big. It's like, you know, uh, $30,000. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, well, not I, bad. Let's build a yeah. robot. 
bragging so rights. The money. But, you know, to be fair, these robots, I mean, you don't build robots to fight if you're worried about winning the prize because the robots themselves uh, definitely cost way more than any of the prize money you'll ever get. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, how much on average does it cost and, and how long does it take to build one of these things? Gosh, it, it varies wildly because people do get sponsorships and people – um, sometimes the people who've been around doing it for a long time, they would, uh, they'll reuse a lot of the same parts from season to season. But you're, you're, you end up buying easily probably, I'd say, when you first start building the robots, double the number of parts than you actually need um, to test them. And then once you figure out what parts you're getting, you usually buy two to four times more of those parts to have spare parts during the event. Wow, yeah, Just, so it can get, get pretty get pricey. Spare. And we, we shoot an entire season in one week. Oh, wow. So yeah. the, the competitors have very little time between matches to, to uh, do the repairs and stuff. So you end up with, you know, enough parts to build your robot maybe two to four times. Wow. It's, it's expensive. So what you're talking about is like I remember um, uh, one of my friends had a middleweight. His robot was like $35,000 per season. Whoa. Uh, mine was a lightweight, which is a 60-pound robot, which was um, about uh, four to $6,000 per season. Wow. Yeah. It, it, uh, and so you can only imagine, and those are both lighter than the 250-pound robots. So I'm sure that those are, you know, I, I, the one I was going to build was going to be definitely in the, uh, you know, twenty dollars to $30,000 range. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't realize it was such an intense shooting schedule. So only one week to shoot the whole season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Comedy Central used to run it every six months. So, you know, when we were building them um, a year apart for the original uh, live events, we would have, you know, a year to build the robot. So you take three months off and start thinking about it and tinkering around with buying some parts and testing them for three months. And then you'd spend six solid months really working hard on the robot. And then when we started doing two seasons a year, it was just you are always working on your robot. Yes, yeah, immersed in the robot world. It's not, yeah, and it's not your full time job, so you're doing this on evenings and weekends. Oh, it's crazy! Yeah, it's like yeah. a lifestyle at this point. Yeah. So, as a judge, is it does it come down to decisions? More often than not, if you ever see the judges enter the arena, that means that it's really, really close, and it's it's by one point. You know, wow. if. You know, usually the matches are won by more than one point, and so that makes it very easy for us. Um, but every once in a while, there's this, there's one point that could sway it, and we want to be extremely fair with the competitors because, you know, so, well, for me, and, I, and I'm sure it's the same way with the other judges, but for me, I know how much labor and passion and, and energy goes into creating these robots. So to have them uh, not get a fair match would break my heart. Yeah, you, yeah. No, you I mean, really want to be fair. You want to make sure that the right winner gets the the, the uh, victory. So, yeah, we take it very seriously. When you see us go into the ring, that's because we're trying to figure out where that one point's going to go. So, so Fawn, we, we actually uh, had you. There's a reason why we uh, had you here. Um, we, we wanted to talk to you on the show. Um, other than that, we're BattleBots fans. But also, so last week was the first time uh, police officers have ever used a robot to kill a suspect mm -hmm. and uh it's you know and, and it's it's unprecedented and yeah. so now it's like it opens up a you know a, a tinderbox here of ethical implications 
But how do you feel about a robot being weaponized in that manner? As long as the robot is not autonomous, I, I don't feel um, I don't feel it's a, a bad thing. Well, that's the thing. It's the robot was strapped with an explosive and someone was controlling it. So how different yeah. is that than someone using a sniper rifle? It's not. You know, I mean, it more or less it's the same thing. Or a drone. I mean, they've been using drones overseas, of course, for quite a while. And a lot of times they're piloted from the United States. They might be flying missions in the Middle East. Um, to me, it's like I think anything that brings humans out of harm's way is good. And, and, and if wars can be fought the way BattleBots is... Um, fantastic. Let's put robots against robots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I, what it's not, I know that's not the case in these in these, uh, you know, um, with the drones or with with yeah. the, the uh, police robot. Um, and I don't I don't mean to make light of this at all. It's a very serious thing. Um, but uh, I do think that as long as there's a human behind the controls, I don't see a real huge issue with it. Um, there, there are some debate, of course, there is some debate over whether or not a, you know, separating the pilots of these robots from the action uh, causes them to take human life um, and make it less valuable in their mind. Um, well, because they're removed from the it. Debate. Yeah. Because they're removed from it. Yeah, exactly. And their life themselves are not in danger. And then, you know, it goes back to like, you know, the the idea of, you know, whether that's a fair fight. But the fair fighting notion went out with um, the Civil War, I think. Or not yeah. the Civil War, I'm sorry. The, um, uh, like the atomic bomb. I mean, it's. <laughs> no, well, actually, before that, I mean, guerrilla warfare was, was um, fought against the British with the United States when the British came to the United States. Mm. Um, so as early as that, uh, there has been, you know, guerrilla warfare used by the United States. It's, and, um, and that's the so, thing. I mean, if, if, if technology exists, it can allow police officers to do their jobs more safely. Then why wouldn't they employ it? That's that. I, mean, that, I think that's, a, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, um, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's well, that, I think part of it is, too, is people are like, you know, it's that killer robot debate. Like, is this going to give rise to these autonomous you know, machines are just devoid of any kind of human compassion? And that's the thing. It's like I I, I couldn't see that happening now. But who knows? Like, the, like we were talking earlier about the movie Runaway. You know, yeah. what, what, what criminals start using to start creating robots and are, you know, Police officers are going to have to make robots to fight robots. Absolutely. And it seems yeah. like we're almost there. I mean, judging by the, what's being made on BattleBots. Yeah. We'll live to see the day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, as, like I said, as long as the robots aren't aut autonomous, I think that, that you know, um, I have enough faith in humanity uh, to believe that if – if there's a human behind the trigger, they're going to make the right decision uh, in, in most cases. You know, or let me put it this way. They're going to make this, the same decision they would make as if they were holding a gun in their hand. As it, yeah, as minus the fear and irrational behavior you might get from someone. So, you know, one could argue that a policeman could focus on their job more clearly if they weren't actually terrified for their life. So they might actually be less likely to shoot somebody with a robot than they would in reality. Yeah. I mean, if it could be avoided. It's like, okay, so, oh, 
I'm afraid that the suspect is going to shoot my robot. That's not the same as I'm afraid that the suspect is going to shoot me in the face. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's genuine fear. And that's when your instincts kick in. And that's when your primal like uh, urges take over. And you see it time and time again. People get really, really scared. Policemen are still human. Yeah. You know, and that's still like thing. you and I. They're still going to get into a situation like that and be afraid. And, and so, make an emotional split second decision. Exactly. And so yeah. I actually think the robots might might be a more positive thing obviously we, we've yet to see um the effects of you know long-term use of robots yeah. in the police force but i think that it's you know my my first instinct on it is and it's just my opinion is that it's a positive thing because yeah, well, it takes people out of harm's way and it also uh gives the policeman a, a place of safety to make really calm collected good decisions rather than a decision um to save their own life yeah no exactly which is a completely different decision yeah and i think that that's not something that's talked about much but that really is a part of the debate it's a it's a different situation i think if we have this technology then i think we should be using it um you know the speaking of autonomous robots you know the autonomous robot that i'd like to have would be a bar bot like it would see that my drink is empty and it would just come over and refill it do they make anything like that We've been promised uh, uh, beverage bringing robots for a very long time. Um, uh, I, I have been – okay, so yeah, shoot. I'm working on a secret project. I can't tell you about it. But oh, follow no. me on Facebook and you'll see something in that arena um, happen this year. Wow, um, all right. But, but they also – I mean the bar bots have been around for a while. Uh, when I was working – I was uh, judging at RoboGames, one of my uh, – uh, one of the things that I was judging for RoboGames was uh, the BarBots competition. And so they were robots that mix drinks. <laughs> so the, those have been around for well over a decade, probably much longer, because it's, it's kind of a fun novelty. People are always looking for novel ways to enjoy beverages, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, so are these like complicated mixed drinks or is it just like a Jack and Coke or something? Uh, some of them are pretty sophisticated and they'll wow. serve up to 12 different types of drinks. And hold different types of liquor and so on. Um, some of them specialize in one drink. Hmm. Wow. I, I'm not much of a liquor drinker, so it was quite an interesting thing to judge. Well, <laughs> well I'm looking forward to seeing this. I've been trying yeah. to train my cat to do this for like the past three years. <laughs> there, no there was success. One downside to, to judging the, that particular competition, and that is the the competition was based on the the. Um, the robots operations and nowhere in the the judging rules was there a scoring for the quality of the drink they mixed mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't even so if the drink tastes like shit it's like you don't lose no, any you points you can't score it you can't score it and and ultimately this was terrible because it also meant that the the competitors since they spent all their money on the robots, didn't spend any money on the alcohol. So the alcohol was the lowest quality. Oh, it's like well vodka. It was uh, not yeah. pleasant for at least the day after the competition. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, Vaughn, don't think about it until you're in the situation. Well, I'm looking forward to checking this out. And uh, Vaughn, thanks for being on the show. And uh, people can learn more about uh, about your work at uh, your website, foncocreative.net. Yep, I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fawn H. Davis. And you can watch Fawn uh, judging BattleBots this season. Yeah, and then we just launched, we're launching a new show 
uh, this coming Tuesday uh, called Super Fan Builds. That's going to be available on Go90. Oh, nice. And then I'm also on two episodes of Cake Masters on Food Network. Wow. What, what is that, like a cake competition? It, well, it's not a competition. It's it's uh, Duff Goldman does a show, and, he, and he's uh, recently wanted to take cakes to the next level, so he sought out help from some of us here in the uh, visual effects industry to make him uh, help make him cakes that have never been seen before. Wow. Like cakes that transform into robots. And you make, you make like an Optimus Prime cake? Yes. This is insane. Yeah, that's on Cake Masters. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to check this out. All right. Well, Fon, thanks for chatting with us tonight. Awesome. Thanks a lot. All right, take thanks it easy. Thanks for having me. to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Everybody keeps forgetting that fucking number. It doesn't roll off the tongue as easy as the last one, but whatever, people. 323-522-4032. Um, so, uh, Danny, we have a uh, celebrity actually called in. Ooh. Yeah, I was, uh, You might actually recognize this guy. I, I didn't know he was a listener. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite flattered that he, he's into the show. But he's actually kind of upset. So, uh, here, let's play it. Hey, this is Henry Rollins. Rollins. I don't like my music. Fucking cool. Fuck you. He <laughs> you sound like a fucking transvestite trend dresser. Henry Rollins is Australian. And Harrison. Yeah, I was about to say, does, does this sound like Henry Rollins has a bit of an accent here? He's definitely Australian. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Could be New Zealand. I get those mixed up. He could up. be a Kiwi, but I mean, it's, it's, he's definitely, you know, I, I thought Henry Rollins was, was American, but uh, hey, maybe I'm wrong, you know? Um, but yeah, he's angry. You know, I, I got I to gotta issue a slight correction here i said i didn't like the rollins band i liked black flag with rollins gotcha but the rollins band do you remember rollins band yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, do you remember uh 90s yeah i'm trying to think of the uh there was a song called self or low self-opinion or something he's like you've got a low self-opinion <laughs> and he's just like dude how more self-righteous can you get in your music yeah he's like just preaching and i think that's what bothered me about it well is that the one where the video was all red and he's on the stage? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I've seen Rollins' band perform live. They're great. And Henry Rollins is an amazing performer. And uh, I, I love his spoken word. I think it's great. It's just I didn't like Rollins' band that much. Yeah. But I like Black Flag with Rollins. Gotcha. Or should I say Captain Feathersword from the Wiggles? Your secret's out now, motherfucker. <laughs> Bring back the whack. Rollins out. Actually, that's, All right. well, that's not Henry Rollins. 
That's Crocodile Dundee. Pretty fucking sure. <laughs> you think it was Crocodile Dundee? Paul Hogan? Paul Hogan. Yeah, maybe. Uh, no. Brian Brown. That's who it is. Who's, I don't even know who that is. FX, Murder by Illusion. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. If you listen to the last part of it, it sounds exactly like him. Well, it, I think it just... It, the fact of the matter is, it didn't sound like Henry Rollins. But maybe Rollins, like, you know... You know how, like, sometimes Americans will go on holiday and they'll go to, like, the UK for a couple of weeks and come back and think they're British? Madonna syndrome. Yeah, Madonna syndrome. So that's why I'm thinking Henry Rollins might have, like, the... Uh, the Australian version of the Madonna syndrome. He's, he's adopting like an effect or something. But anyway. Sydney syndrome. <laughs> you can't please them all. <laughs> you can't. Um, all right. The next, uh, the next call here. I got a couple of shit stories to get to. Um, you might actually relate to these, Danny, being from England. These are UK shit stories. These are my people? Yeah, these are your people. You might be able to. And you could, you could probably translate somewhat. Um, let me roll the theme music. Here's the jingle for the sick and wrong bit. Come gather round. It's all about shit. Shit! Guys, just wanted to say that um, I'm one of those fucking oddballs that actually have listened to you from fucking day zero. Literally all of your podcasts. I'm not entirely sure what that makes me. Probably fucking mental. But. Alright, that, that's a bit insane. We've been having to listen to everything. Every single show. <laughs> every single show. That's crazy. That's like 10 years worth of podcasts. Wow. 10 so years. That's a long time. Where, where do you think this guy's accent's from? Southern England. Southern Can't England? Can't place exactly where it is, but I'd say Southern England. Probably within 50 miles of London. Oh, you think like South London? No, not London itself, but roundabout. Within 50 miles of the capital. All right. Yeah, you know, I, I'm so bad with trying to figure out the regional dialects of London. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I'm not even going to attempt it. I like, this guy's, I like this guy's voice, though. I like it. Not much of a story to tell, but I was driving home from work last year, and um, IBS, fucking IBS, introduced itself to me. With no notice whatsoever. <laughs> I think I've had a McFlurry or a Mc... Whatever the fuck they sell in McDonald's. And I had to go. I had to get home quickly. But unfortunately, I got stopped by the police on the way home. <laughs> Two police cars pulled me over. Luckily or not, I was wearing undergarments that sort of secure themselves into their socks. So when I eventually shit my fucking pants... It all stayed inside. What? I explained this to the officers. Well, he was wearing diarrhea pants. You ever see that? He he said he was wearing pants that were tucked into his socks. So I'm trying to think what he maybe he's a Morris dancer. <laughs> I think I think he was wearing diarrhea pants, D pants. Have you ever you ever see you ever watch Tim and Eric? No. They're, so they're, they have this like uh, fictitious company or whatever uh, called Cinco, and they made diarrhea pants, and they're just called D pants, and they. They basically just wrap in around your ankles, so you can just shit your pants, and they, you wear them underneath your pants. Why wouldn't you just wear Depends? Because Depends, I think they can still can still get out. Can I've, still I've no idea. <laughs> I thought so, about trying them, but so what would ha what I don't understand if like a cop pulled you over and you're shitting your pants, like you're in the process of shitting yourself, wouldn't you be like, you know, d dude, go home? Just go home and clean up and, God, for the love of God, get away from me. 
I think it kind of depends if you can smell it or hear it. Like, if I was a cop and I pulled somebody over and I just heard... <laughs> and just the stench assaulted my nose, I would be like, get the fuck out of my just Carry on, mate. <laughs> carry yeah. on, mate. So, if, do you ever, so you're an IBS sufferer. Do you have yeah. a tax like that? Does it come on like you go to... You know, you go to Taco Bell or Carl's Jr. and you get like a burger and then that's the thing that triggers it? I wouldn't go to eat to those places for <laughs> one. But here's the thing. The true story of the matter, if I even in and out which is pretty clean considering all those, it'll, it'll do that to me. So in and out like if you're at, so if you're at work and you go get in and out for lunch, you're guaranteed to have IBS within like the uh, next couple hours? Yeah. Wow. And I think it's, uh, with IBS, it's the high fat content. So if everything's cooked in fat, fries, everything as delicious as they are, <laughs> it's just too much fat and your body's just like, nope. So my sister, my sister, like she, she knows exactly what food will trigger an IBS attack, but she doesn't give a shit. She loves Taco Bell that much. She's like, yeah, I'm going to suffer, but I'm going to enjoy, you know, eating this. She'll eat it at home or whatever. Yeah. 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 I, no, she'll I'm, get it. I'll have the same. Like, I like steak, but if I cook a big, juicy ribeye, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed IBS attack. Guaranteed. So then is it like T minus, you know, 20 minutes before, you know, you, do you know how long it's going to be until you have an attack? Like, can you time it or if, does it just if, shoot out of your ass? If you know what the trigger food is, then yeah, it's not going to shoot out of your ass, but you, you'll, you'll feel it. It's like aliens. It's like something starts you to try to escape. You feel the chest burster and yeah. you, can just, you feel the rumblings. Oh yeah. You, like, you know oh, it's going to happen and you can, you have that, you might have that little where you're clenching your ass a little bit. <laughs> you're just like, uh oh. So wait, how many times at work have you had a, like a full on IBS attack? Luckily enough, I think twice. God, that's got to be the worst. The last time was just about two weeks ago. And I, and as you know, I, I live close enough to work that I can drive home, but I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> and it was, it was like, because one of the things I usually always go home for lunch because then, you know, I can, I can eat clean food, whatever. But well, yeah, it's in, then you can hang out at your house. Yeah. Pretty much any restaurant food, if you have IBS, can set you off because you don't know what the fuck they've put in it. Yeah, what they're, what they're yeah. using to cook it Butter, with. oil, whatever it is, there's, whatever your trigger is could be in that food and you don't even know it. So it's like, it's, it's you're playing Russian roulette. Yeah, Russian roulette. So that, that must suck when you're on a date. Roulette. So if you're on a date with a girl, do you like just order a salad or safe food? I will order safe food. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends where you are. I heard some dude the other day, uh, I, 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 was, I was just going in to, just to take a piss real quick. And there was a guy just suffering. And like on the eighth floor bathroom and he was like in oh, like God. the handicap stall and he could just hear it. he was just like oh, oh, it was oh Jesus. I heard him say Jesus three times. And I was like, Whoa man. That I don't I, I don't I don't get it. I I will I will have the worst ever time for me was after the, <laughs> the hottest bond me I've ever had. When as that came out of my ass, it was like liquid napalm was shitting out of me oh man i was in so much pain and i didn't grunt i didn't moan <laughs> i felt like it deep down inside i was like i want to die but right you're now. in public though yeah but for me i was uh, no i was shitting at my auntie's house everybody this was in canada and it was in, oh, a, it was okay, in a basement yeah. everybody was upstairs nobody would have heard me i could have moaned <laughs> but it's like so yeah i don't get it when there's a guy at work going Oh, yeah, no, this guy was like, Jesus Christ. 
And I was just sitting there like, I'm going to take a piss really quickly and get out of here. <laughs> you feel bad, awkward. right? Yeah. And, you're, and then you're worried that he's going to walk out the stall as you're washing your hands and then you'll see who it was. And, it, and if you see, and if it's like your boss or something, I don't even, that would, just, that would change the dynamic. Totally. Right. So let me see here. I think, uh, I think there's still a little more to go here. <laughs> so this guy's having IBS, an attack, an IBS attack, and he got pulled over. When they smoked it, on your way, sir, please go home. It worked. But on getting home, it wasn't so pleasant. It, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> fuck IBS. And um, <laughs> fuck you guys as well. <laughs> Maybe not Harrison. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Keep going. Love you guys. Fuck IBS and wow. fuck you guys. Yeah, no, I fucking the IBS just sounds terrible. You know, I'm gonna knock on wood. I'm glad I don't have that. Um, you know, it runs in Jewish women. Like, uh, it's yeah, a, it's a very common I've, I've thing. I've heard for, you mention on the show. Yeah, are you sure you're not a Jewish woman? Like, I, I, I could be. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of Jews in my family. <laughs> um, I, this guy's this guy's great. I've met this guy a few times. This caller, Dwayne. Um, he, he buys us, uh, I don't know, even know what kind of alcohol it is right now, but it's like, I call it the limey crack. It's some kind of alcohol, like Sambuca or something that he lights on fire. We're doing shots of it on fire. The guy that just called in? Yeah. Okay. I recognize his voice, but he also, uh, what, what cracks me up is how he was saying like, oh, Harrison's cool. He he must have just met Harrison during the meetup this week <laughs> because I saw a picture of him with that fucking limey crack and giving him a shot on fire and he was like Harrison took it better than you D like, yeah I, I, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking he was slipping him a hot Cosby you got demoted yeah well I'm just saying you know I, I was watching my back when all these weird English people <laughs> are slipping me like these weird shots whereas Harrison eh, not so much you well know? he also knows Harrison doesn't care boy yeah. girl transvestite tranny well, whatever I'm yeah exactly I think Harrison's open to options here <laughs> um so yeah I guess there you go you know people if you want to get out of a ticket if you're speeding just shit yourself uh within uh, earshot of the police officer yeah that's the UK though you know over here he'd probably pull out a gun and shoot you for shit next to him <laughs> he's brown yeah especially Dwayne's a black guy so I, I don't know how well that would have gone over in the in the US <laughs> yeah and the UK maybe yeah you know, maybe it'd be alright over there um alright we got another uh, we got another shit story to get to hey sick I'm wrong I'm a listener from the UK I've got a story for you it's kind of a shit story but not but not really um Kind Most of the UK one. guys just seem to ring up with making up bullshit about shitting in toilets and stuff like that. But this is this is kind of different. But um, I thought I'd share it with you. It happened uh, happened a few years ago, probably about. I mean, it was the early days of the internet before everyone was desensitised by watching all the sorts of fucking crap that's um, you know on internet porn these days. But um, there used to be a a website called shitcity.com. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Do you know this one? No. <laughs> I know a lot of the bad old sites, but I've never heard of this one. One of my favorites was this one called scatlovers.com. You ever <laughs> see that one? I remember like in the infancy of the internet, like the genesis back in the day. Like when you saw fucking horrific shit like that, it was like, I thought it was the funniest thing. So I used to send people... 
um, I would send people links to all the different things from, uh, from pictures from scat lovers. But my biggest thing was to like go somewhere where there was like a publicly accessible computer and just look up <laughs> scat lovers and just like you know put it on all the like at a, at a Mac store. Yeah, it would just be scat lovers on every screen or at an airport or something. Fugly was the one that Best I was buy. into. Uh, Fugly what was that one just Fugly was. Uh... First, the first nasty video I ever saw was on Fugly, I think, and it was uh, two Asian chicks. One was puking into a bowl, and the other one was like eating it. Ah. It was just uh, <laughs> so wrong. Uh, did you ever? Do you remember that site, Ogrish dot com? Ogrish, yeah, yeah. Ogrish, I used to get some good. My my favorite one, though, back in the day, I think it was kind of my. I guess this would probably be my introduction to the the world of internet filth was Style Project. I remember, remember Style, that, Project, Style Project. Yeah. Well, Style Project used to be like it used to be the source of all those disgusting videos. Yep. But then it became like just a porn site. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I no, it, it switched. It it's died. like they, but yeah, like every disgusting video was from Style Project. The guy's name was Style or Jace, Styles. Jace Jason's, Style. Yeah. yeah, I should try to track that guy down. Yeah, and just thank him. For opening my eyes. <laughs> I think he's directly responsible for this podcast. Um, he probably made a lot of money though when he switched to a porn like, to a porn site. Yeah, or or he sold it off because they probably you know it's probably had a. Really I haven't high even tried ranking. to look that up in a long time. It's styleproject.com, S T I L E. So anyway, Scat Lovers was my favorite scat site, but this is Shit City, which sounds a little cooler than Scat Lovers. Um, a bit of a scat porn uh, website. Your your friend still he would probably know about it he would have probably been quite into it all them uh, all them years ago but um i was only i was still relatively young then but me and uh, me and a friend of mine we was at the um at the motor show in london and um the bmw stand had a big big stand and it had loads of screens on um it was like a square stand and all the all the screens uh, that were facing on the outside and it was just showing an advert over and over again of a new i don't know it must be the new free series or some shit like that at the time and um uh, all right, I need some translation here. Speaking very fast and in a British accent, he was at a BMW car show? Yeah. Doing what? I don't just know. He was at just, a car show? Yeah, just at a car show. It's probably, yeah, there's a few places in London where they, kind of like here where they have a LA Expo and all that, where they'll, where they'll do shows like the European Computer Oh, okay, so, they have, so it's a car show, and yeah. I, I'm sure there are probably monitors around. Jumbotron or something Jumbotron like that. Jumbotron yeah. things like Now that... This might actually, I can kind of see where this is going here. <laughs> we noticed that when um, the guy went to a small computer in the corner, he would, um, he would pull the, uh, the cursor across the screens and it would go across all these screens. These screens were huge. They covered the whole of the thing. You could see it all over the exhibition center. It was massive. So anyway, we, we see him move the, um, the screen across. And me and my mate, we were still young and we were, fucking, um, we were up to no good. And so we went over to the, uh, to the screen and um, you could see that he, all they had was just a, uh, you know, a screen playing what was on there. And it's directly linked to the internet. So what we did after oh, the guy walked away, we, um, we snuck up behind. He, he, was, he wasn't looking. We changed. We pulled down, took down the screen, brought up the internet and... Um, typed in shitcity.com to our, to our <laughs> shock the um it changed all the screens so pictures seen 25 foot screens on four sides of this um, bmw stand have all suddenly turned to a ass hanging over the top the front page of shitcity.com an ass hanging <laughs> shit hanging out of it shitting straight into some bird's mouth <laughs> run off obviously um with scarford um and then to run to a different stand to look back and gradually people have noticed over at the exhibition 
centre. There were kids screaming. There were people trying to cover their <laughs> wives' eyes. It was it, it was it was fucking crazy. And um, yeah, that's my story. But still up to no good. I've got a few more of them sort of stories. But that was just one from the from the young fam, younger sort of days. But um, yeah, enjoy the show. Like wow. Yeah, twenty-five foot screens. That that just totally destroyed my whole like. Uh, yeah, I put it on the laptops at the Mac store. <laughs> I'm I'm picturing um, Stand by Me when they're talking about the guy eating the, eating the pies, and so he starts throwing up over everybody. I'm I'm picturing that scene. This wow. shit starts coming. The first person starts puking, and before you know, everybody's puking and shitting themselves. And, and what's just... brilliant about that back then is you know you had to find the one guy who's tech savvy enough to know how to shut it off. Right. Because back then, like people didn't know how to do like simple things on the internet. No, not at all. You know, and I, I know um, there used to be. You might remember this. There were like those email. Like viruses, kind of, that you can email, but they're harmless <laughs> viruses, but they would take over your computer. Yes, love them. You know them. what I'm talking about? Yeah. My favorite thing. There was in the world. one I remember that people used to send out that would be like, all of a sudden, they'd just go, I'm gay, and your whole computer would be locked up, and it would just be like, bing, 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 I'm gay. <laughs> well, they'd be the one like, this is, the volume's really quiet, so turn it up. So you turn your volume, volume up, and it goes, hey, everyone, I'm watching porno over here. <laughs> And everybody in the office would look at you and you'd be like, oh, fuck. And you'd be trying to get rid of it and it would have that stupid little box that every time your mouse went to it, it would move away and you couldn't get yeah, rid of it. Yeah, you couldn't click it off. Did you ever, did anyone ever send you Meat Spin? Yes. Yeah, Meat Spin <laughs> was another one. I, I sent that to probably at least 100 people. Oh, I, And it was like every time you tried to shut everybody. it off, it was moving and it was just like basically some dude getting what fucked in his ass while his dick is spinning. The best, the best thing was it, it would count the rotations. Yeah. So you could see how, how, how long before your buddy turned it off. Yeah, I know my brother, I think it's still on, actually. It's, it's, it's his wallpaper it's, background. It's his, yeah. Screensaver. Um, wow, that's, that's an epic shit story. I mean, it's not, it's not a real shit story. It's pretty awesome. But it, uh, yeah, it, it's, Wow. I wouldn't be able to resist if I if I, even at my age now at forty one if I was at a convention and I saw the controller for like these twenty five foot screen monitors I think I would have to do the same thing I'd go see or something like I, I I don't know I couldn't like the 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 juvenile delinquent inside of me I used to like it when you could uh, send emails with uh, URLs that you could basically change the URL so the URL would say something obvious like google.com yeah yeah but inside it you change it to goatsy the goatsy and just yeah it's I, a surprise goatsy as far back as probably 10 years ago i think it was i worked at adobe maybe a little bit longer and i sent goatsy to so many people <laughs> that i worked with i go here's that report you wanted i'd embed it in word files and just every now and again you just hear people going you son of a bitch <laughs> I remember a, a buddy of mine was building a bar in uh, San Francisco. This was a few years ago, but he was building this bar, and they had to like really gut the whole place and like tear it down. It's right, kind of like by the um, the Transbay Terminal over there, like first emission. Gotcha. Anyway, he was like, well, what do you think's a good name? And I was like, dude, you should call it Goatsy's Tavern. Since you're building, you're tearing the place down anyway, just put like two hands pulling and it had like a circular entrance, just like pulling apart the, uh, the entrance and just call it Goatsy's Tavern. Don't you think that'd be famous across the world? Definitely. When Goatsy was popular, there was 
all those logos there was i think <laughs> i, I want to say toastmasters or something one of those companies had a logo that basically looked like the goatsy there was always just these photoshops going around where people would highlight the logo and it was goatsy everywhere was goatsy you know i hope goatsy never dies it was one of my favorite things on the internet yeah it still is yeah goatsy.cx yeah wow i wonder what ever happened to that guy do you think he's still aids had to have killed off goatsy I don't know, but his, <laughs> he's his a arsehole, legend. if he's still he's alive, his asshole is huge. <laughs> um, people, call the Sigrong hotline, 323-522-4032. iTunes, best way to listen to the show. Subscribe, rate, comment. We appreciate it. does help boost visibility, and Lord knows we need that. Um, so just go to iTunes, do a search for Sick and Wrong, and subscribe. Uh, also, T-shirts. T-shirts are really selling like hotcakes. I got to get you a T-shirt, Yeah, Danny. where the fuck is it? Yeah, I got to get you a T-shirt. Um, we're almost out of larges, but we do have a few mediums, some XLs left. So people, just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash store, and you can get the new uh, Aleister Crowley-inspired tea. And finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Do you remember... Do you, okay, when you hear people talking about the American office, and they don't mention the UK office, does it piss you off as an Englishman? Like, do you be, do you say something or do you just let it go? It's it, yeah. It's just like if somebody said, ah, "Man, that, have you seen that movie Point Break that came out last year? It's fucking amazing." You'd want to hit them repeatedly in the face. Um, that that I think is almost worse. Yeah, but it's like it's because at least the U.S. office didn't suck. I mean, you know, Steve Carell, he's a funny guy, and some of the some of the guys were were, were, were pretty funny. I never really watched it that much, but the episodes I did watch, I didn't hate. But the UK office was so much better. I watched the first episode of the US office and never watched any more. Everybody told me afterwards I should have stuck with it because the first one was a carbon copy of one of the UK versions and it was terrible. But then they, they changed. The I pilot, mean, I think yeah. they evolved over time. I yeah. just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of sitcoms anyway. And the way they do in the UK, I've always admired it. It's like two series or three series or two series and a special Yep. You know, whereas in the U.S., it's like, we have something that works. Let's just beat this horse into the ground. Beat it to death. You know, let's just beat it to death and put like eight seasons. Like, I don't even know how, how many seasons the U.S. office have. I don't know. 19. Is it still going? Probably. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, I was reading on, I forget what website I went to, but Ricky Gervais has made a movie called David Brent, Life on the Road. So excited. This is great. Did you even know about this? Yes. I, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even know. And it, it cracks me up because it's like, God, who is even... Like, I thought he just kind of retired the character. Yeah, uh, he has a huge following on Twitter. Like, millions of people follow well, the, him. Yeah, Ricky Gervais is a popular guy. Yeah. So, he can do whatever he wants for his characters. I mean, every show that he's done, you know, uh, Life's Too Short, Extras, fucking people love it. Yeah, no, all these shows are great. He can, he can bring back any of those characters, and I think, and he do a movie with any of them. And it's just I, been a long time though, has, since uh, David Brent was relevant. But that's probably why it will actually be really good because it will be 10 years after The Office or however many years it is. It's probably hmm. even more than that. Yeah, I wonder if Stephen Merchant co-wrote it. He probably did. Yeah. I told you I uh, saw Stephen Merchant on a date. I was with a girl. I think it was, we were, God, where was this? It was over by Beverly Hills kind of Largo area. There's a bar called the, the Roger Room. 
he was on a date or you were on a no, date? No, I was on a okay. date. And we sat there and then Stephen Merchant came in with this like hot blonde girl. But he's, he could barely fit in the booth. Because it's like this old bar. And yep. he could, it's just like they're not built for like, how tall is that guy? Like seven feet tall? He's got to be. He's, he's crazy. Seven foot googly eyed freak. <laughs> he looks like a big stick insect. I got to say though, the girl he's with was really hot. Yeah. Money, man. And I was trying to like overhear their conversation because it would have just been funny to hear Stephen Merchant trying to you know spit game to some girl. He probably doesn't even need to. No, he probably he could probably just do whatever he wants. Um, so anyway, Gervais has made this movie, Dave Brent Life on the Road. It follows Brent as he tries to make himself a rock star during a concert tour of the UK. In the movie, David Brent and his band, Foregone Conclusion, have a single called Lady Gypsy. Yeah, the song tells the tale of Brent falling in love with an actual lady gypsy and the romance that followed. And given that it's Brent, you know, um, part of the song involves him trying to make sure that the woman isn't a prostitute. <laughs> so that's the whole point of it. So the video is actually incredibly awkward. It's great. So um, we're going to end the show here with David Brent, Lady Gypsy. It kind of reminds me of, uh, was it the Christmas special where he had another, like David Brent got fired from the office it didn't he like take all of his money from his severance package and make a video? Yep. And with like a, with like a dove, he was like releasing a dove into in in this barn or something. It was genius. It was Pure genius. This kind of reminds me. It's it's along the same lines. So we're gonna end the show here with David Brent, Lady Gypsy. Uh, Danny, thanks for uh, filling in. People, next week no Harrison will be back, and uh, yeah, we'll be uh, it'll be just regular sick and wrong. I'm actually quite looking forward to hearing about the. Uh, the uh, the exploits of Harrison in the UK. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. <laughs> I, I'm thinking someone slipped him like a couple hot Cosbys. At least. Who knows? Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with episode 541. Until then, take a sleazy. When I had known only 18 summers I headed west through the Whitley Wood To make my fortune and find a lover And to lead the best life a young man could Lie, la, la, lie, la, la, lie Oh, la, la, lie, la, la, lie, la, la, lie And by the lakeside, just south of Didcot I spied an angel just standing there She was a traveler, but she was pretty and clean She was in the water, washing her hair I lost my heart to a lady gypsy So long ago, I forget her name But I still remember the smell of the flowers And the way my life would never be the same She laid me down on a bed of heather She said, please be careful, this is what I sell I said, you're a hooker She said, no, I mean the heather I sell the heather like a lucky spell I said, but to be clear then the sex is free, yes, she said, yes, the sex is free The heather's a pound, I said, I don't need no heather And if I did, I would just pick some, it's free 
It's growing in the ground I lost my heart to a lady gypsy So long ago I forget her name But I still remember the smell of the flowers And the way my life would never be the same